0: And welcome to another episode of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon. I'm a chartered psychologist and coach, and I'm once again joined by my co-host, Pilar Orti. Pilar, how are you doing today?
1: I am very well, and I hope you are too. How are you, Richard?
0: <laughs> I'm good. Thank you for asking. <laughs> um, it's it's good to be back. We're once again going to answer a frequently asked question uh, when it comes to coaching in the workplace. Now, this might be asked by someone I meet for the very first time socially, or it could be asked professionally when someone is speaking to me for the first time about potentially working with me, um, with me being their coach. And that is, how does this coaching differ from therapy? Now, they might ask, how does it differ from counseling or mm. therapy? Or they might say something like, how is this different to mental health support? So the question comes across in lots of different ways, but I want to answer it in one way and say, we've got coaching over here, and then we've got those activities over there um, that are equally professional but they do differ even though there are some overlaps. So we'll try and navigate this one today. Um, I want to bring a little bit more clarity to it, and I definitely don't want to make it more complicated than it needs to be. So let's let's see how we get on. (laughs) I mean, first of all, maybe why is it useful to look at the differences between the two? Because aren't they just two activities where people can get the kind of professional input and support that they're looking for? I'm really keen that people understand the difference between these activities and how, even though they do support human growth, human development, human well-being, they they do have important differences. And that's important so that people can make informed decisions about the kind of professional support that they would like to seek out. Because when you go, I mean, I'm just going to say you go on the internet you know you go on the internet to find some support for maybe a challenge you're dealing with in your life what do you search for and using one word over another might lead you down a whole different direction which could work out brilliantly or burn through a lot of your valuable time because you end up talking to people in the wrong profession or even people who aren't qualified to help you with this but they're keen to get some business so a big plank of this argument is to bring clarity to it so you, the consumer, if we want to put it that way, can get in front of the right qualified people. And also, um, when people are clear about the difference between, um, I'll refer to coaching versus therapy, when when both parties in coaching are clear on that, then it, it helps the coachee um, Keep in their lane and the coach keep in their lane and and neither of us are tempted to um, go into an area in which we're not qualified. And that's super important for the very core reason that people don't leave their mental health at the door when they come for a coaching session. I don't coach people for depression. I don't coach people for anxiety, but they might want coaching on their career or their productivity, and they don't leave their depression and their anxiety at the door. So while it can come up in conversation, we both need to be aware and clear on the scope of the work we're doing together and what the limits of that are, so we don't unintentionally um, go outside of that and, and make life difficult for one or both of us. So that that's really why I want to bring a little bit of clarity to that. Pilar, from your perspective... Is it even a question that's occurred to you? What is the difference between
1: them? Well, to be honest, no, because I've been working with you for so long. Uh, But I think that, I think it is a big question though, because... Coaching well, for start coaching means so many different things to different people like sometimes people think coaching is advice uh, yep. so I, I see that a lot of people talking about a coach that is actually telling them what to do, and for me that's that's another conversation. My yeah. question is around actually uh, the the crossover with the therapy is and and then the difference between the coaching for example that you do is where does life coaching come into it and i don't want to derail it but i think that that's Mm. i don't know if that's a question i can ask now
0: (laughs) no you can um buckle up um no the (laughs) the um i I make the distinction between coaching as a profession and coaching Mm. skills so i'm a coaching psychologist um i outlined that Two episodes ago, what is a coaching psychologist, and and how um, do we differ to other kind of flavors of psychologists? Mm. But there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of people all over the place using coaching skills in their jobs to be excellent team leaders, excellent managers, excellent leaders. Um, they're not coaches; they have those skills. To my mind, life coaching is an unfortunate term, but it's one that continues to be used and. You can have one perspective on it, which is there are people who identify as a life coach because that that is what the market is looking for. Where people say, "I want a coach who will support what I'm trying to achieve in my personal life." Mm-hmm. So I don't want a business coach. I don't want an executive coach. I want a coach who can help me with those personal things. Um, that I think um, meets their needs. But for so many other people. They are not coaches. They are not coaching. They're advice givers, and they label themselves life coaches. and And I think that's where it's it's kind of there's no protected title in the world called Mm -hmm. life coach. Anyone can call themselves that. In fact, anyone can call themselves a coach, which is problematic. Anyone can call themselves a psychologist, which is even more problematic. Oh wow! There are protected versions like occupational psychologist and clinical psychologist. You can't use those terms unless you're registered and qualified. But you could call yourself a behavioral psychologist. You could call yourself a business psychologist or a media psychologist. I mean, the list is endless. You can Mm. put any word in front of it. Mm. So what I would say is that the title someone uses is either a protected title that it's been difficult to get, and they've got that, and you've got some um, certainty that they are Accredited and all the rest of it, or it's not a protected title. And maybe it's just a badge of convenience and they're just the person you want to work with. So look beyond the title that they're using and look at their qualifications and experience and use a chemistry session to sand out whether they are the kind of person that you could work with, because that's, that's an important factor in it as well. So even with this question, you've illustrated how potentially difficult it can be for people to decide. Who Who is the kind of professional I want to work with? If my dishwasher breaks, I get a plumber. I mean, it's as simple mm, as that. Yeah. If if there's an electrical fire, I get an electrician. But you know what? If I'm finding it difficult to feel motivation at work and I'm thinking of changing career and I'm feeling a bit stressed, who who do I talk to about that? And how do I know I will end up in front of the correct person? That's that's a real challenge. And what I don't have, unfortunately, um, everyone listening to this, is a engineering decision tree chart that you could use. But what I want to do is is illustrate where things are a little bit similar and where they're different to help with that and to help bring a little bit of clarity to that. There are some real challenges in this space. Um... you know, all psychologists who are accredited, chartered psychologists share a professional identity, but we've all had different training, different postgraduate training that qualifies us to do different things. And that's why if someone just says they're a psychologist, it doesn't really give you an insight into what their day is like. Unless they tell you, I'm a clinical psychologist and I work in primary care, or I'm an occupational psychologist and I work in psychometrics, or I'm a health psychologist and I work in an obesity clinic. It, then you understand more about what they actually do. But you know, we now have coaching psychologists, and that's another professional uh, demarcation, and we uh, specialize in bringing um, our understanding of how people think, feel, and behave in different contexts, and combine that with evidence-based coaching skills to support someone to get to where they want to be. But you know th- this point about um, our mental health—we we we don't leave it at the door. And yet, I don't coach someone for their mental health. Condition They're getting that support, um, hopefully, from somebody else. And the flip side is a clinical psychologist or a counseling psychologist doesn't necessarily have coaching skills um, to help someone get the career clarity that they're looking for. So while there's an overlap, there are differences in what we're qualified to do, what we're equipped to do, and, and what's the best fit for the client's needs and their context. I'm going to take a deep breath there. <laughs> Pilar, any <laughs> thoughts on that?
1: Yes, I think that last point is really important and also when you you said earlier about um someone can have depression because that you know that's the condition they have and they come to you but they come to you for a different kind of um of help. It doesn't mean that they leave their depression out of the door. Maybe they want to look at someone else to help with that. But I think that sometimes it makes me think that for some people, it might be difficult to even know, not just the title, but w- what the right kind of help uh, it is that they're looking for. Because cause like you say, because we are human beings and everything might be very intertwined. So I think it's mm-hmm. quite interesting. I hadn't thought of that, of finding out exactly what it is if you've got different areas of your person that you want to work on having an idea and figuring out maybe in the chemistry session or the first session to, to see whether this is the right, not just the right person, but the right kind of professional to help you.
0: Mm. And, and, you know, the, the, what you want to work on a very common conversation I have, and and I think it's a positive one because people are these days um, more open about mental health. I'm seeing a lot more mm. conversations about mental health and Some less stigma. It's not gone, but more people are more likely to talk about it. And so, as part of a chemistry session, someone might mention that they don't have experience of coaching, but they did work with a therapist in the past, or they have um, made use of cognitive behavioral therapy for a phobia or something. And so, we're able to draw on that and say, okay, there's some similarities, but here's how it's different. And that's a great point of reference for them. Where it's a little bit more challenging is where, you know, thankfully for that person, they've had none of these uh, challenges to deal with. And their view of psychologists is, I have a couch in a room, (laughs) you lie down and tell me about your dreams. And I was like, well, no, this this is quite different to that. But I'm happy to answer any of those questions and explore those things so that someone can be really informed about what they're getting involved in. It might be useful to talk a little bit about the similarities and the differences mm. um, b- between these two kind of camps, coaching and therapy or or counseling uh, is in there as well. So, I mean, f- first of all, um, a really valid point um, that one of my colleagues made is if you walked into a room where two people were talking, you wouldn't know if that was a coaching session or a therapy session for a little while. You wouldn't know what you were interrupting because there's an emphasis on conversation, on exploration, on discussion, on growth. Um, so there's a big, a big overlap there in what happens in the room. It, it also, as I've strongly hinted, takes years of training to be a chartered psychologist, whether you're coaching, counseling, or um, clinical In your focus. And we all need to be registered with a professional body. We all need to keep engaging in our continuing professional development and and have professional supervision. We've got that in common. And we might all bring uh, some of the very same interpersonal skills to life in the room the skills and qualities like listening, uh, building rapport, having a sense of curiosity about the person that we're working with, remaining objective during those conversations. These are all things that we would hope to leverage. And of course, um, we're talking about helping someone grow and develop and depending on the context, maybe overcome something. So there's a coaching context where someone was made redundant and um, they are applying for roles and they're finding it hard to get over the fact that they were made redundant. It's, It's really bothering them. But there are counseling contexts where the redundancy was such a shock and maybe handled badly and their reaction to it wasn't as positive as it might have been, that counselling is a much better option for them. So it's not even that we can say, oh, if X happens, you could work with person Y. It's it's often about how serious it is, what the impact is, or maybe for how long um, the the situation has been going on. But you can see there's there's some broad similarities, and you wouldn't tell by, by looking at someone mm-hmm. whether they were a coaching psychologist or or a, a clinical psychologist. You really wouldn't. Um, so, we're all psychologists, but there's also some big differences. But, any questions on those similarities, Pilar?
1: I was struck by the example you're giving about maybe an, um, uh, if you want to do some work on yourself after the redundancy, like you were saying, and mm-hmm. how, yeah, all the. It, it's su- it might be such a personal thing. It's not even about what is the situation that you're in. It's also about the situation you're in, how that came about, how you're reacting. And I think that's a great example of how much thought we need to give to the kind of support we're looking for.
0: Exactly, exactly. So I've worked with clients whose redundancy journey, they framed as almost okay, it's a disappointment, but almost an opportunity Mm -hmm. to pause and take stock and figure out what they really want to do with their life. That's a great space for coaching. But there are other people whose redundancy experience led them to engage in unhelpful coping strategies like using substances or Mm -hmm. such anger that it was having an impact on the people around them or it, it was preventing them from taking helpful action to secure that next job. And that's where therapy or counseling could be a much better, more impactful Mm. um, exercise to engage in. It's the same starting point, but the journey is very different. Now, let's talk a little bit about some of those differences. And again, what I'm hoping to do with this conversation is shape people's understanding so they can navigate this a little bit about, well, who might I want to work with? Because when we think about the the activities they they differ as i've um explained in terms of their focus so we might in in therapeutic uh, contexts assist someone dealing with a significant life event a bereavement a relationship breakdown something like that or where a mental health condition is having a significant impact on their everyday functioning their everyday activities like going to work, or self-care. And that could be depression or anxiety, um, any of the mental health conditions that people are are familiar with out there. So that is a therapeutic focus. That is not something that a coaching psychologist without those qualifications would go anywhere near. Coaching is preventing them from Uh, living the life they want to, but rather we're definitely focusing on thoughts and feelings and behavior, but within that realm that is not yet categorically ticking those boxes for what some might call a diagnosis. Um, Now, everything is much better expressed on a continuum, and there may be a point where someone moves from a clinical therapeutic Assistance into coaching and vice versa, but but coaching psychologists are working with people who want to deal with something um, where they have what they need to deal with that. Um, In the therapeutic uh, arena, it's helping them overcome something that's holding them back. And I'm acutely aware at this point that maybe there are clinical or counseling psychologists or other forms of therapists listening to this vigorously shaking their heads. And I want to underline, I'm I'm sharing this perspective as a coaching psychologist without that clinical experience. This is based on my understanding from talking to clinical colleagues, having friends working in that space who describe what they do. But none of us in our discussions have been able to come down with this very firm line between the two. The answer is often, ooh, that's a tricky one. It depends. Yeah. It is an extremely bad idea for someone to dip into uh, offering therapy or counseling because they're interested in it. But many people at work dip into coaching mode if it's going to help someone on their team. So they put on a kind of coaching hat for a few moments, uh, maybe to do some goal setting or maybe to help someone choose an option to move forward with their day. So it's a very, well, it's much lower risk activity coaching compared to, oh, this sounds interesting. I'll have a go at therapeutic counseling. You just don't want to go there. And as I've said, all psychologists who work as practitioners should be registered with a professional body. Now, we're, we're professionally regulated um, uh, by the HCPC. And, you know, That is the body where we have to demonstrate we're doing our continuing professional development. They give us our registered psychologist title. Um, It's a formal body. And the British Psychological Society um, uh, gives um, membership grades and protects the identity of psychology as a profession. It's kind of complicated. But as I said, anyone, anyone can call themselves a coach. So. I don't want it to be, you know, caveat mTOR, buyer beware. I would like all of the mTORs out there, everyone who's thinking of working with a professional in this space, um, to be able to do their research first and not afterwards wish they'd made a different uh, decision, one that would have got them a better result. We're touching on something that's very complicated, but I think it's worth opening it, and we may well return to it. I would appeal to all listeners um, who have experience of either sides of this fence to get in touch with their perspective on it is there a metaphor or an example that you found really useful either in your coaching or in your therapy work that helps differentiate the two um, regardless of whether you're a coach a psychologist a therapist however you want to describe your profession What is it that works for you in communicating this to people? And I'll make sure it gets added to our Frequently Asked Questions page if that's a helpful way of looking at it. One final thing. When people approach uh, me for coaching and they talk about I'm simultaneously working with a clinical psychologist or a therapist or a psychiatrist, which is a whole different profession entirely, it may be that we end up agreeing, you know what, you finish your work with them. And then if it's still relevant to you, uh, we could start coaching work together. And the reason that that comes up is because one, they're mentioning it in context, but they're doing serious work, difficult work with this other professional. And actually having two of these helping relationships at the same time is a lot for one person. It can be difficult for them to keep Clear blue water between the two relationships. They might mix up conversations they've had. They might bring an idea from one into the other and one professional might unintentionally undermine the other. So it, it can be done, but it needs to be done with a lot of care and intention. And I would say more often than not, it ends up that someone will leave the conversation agreeing. I'm going to finish my therapy sessions and then I'll see how I feel. And I might give you a call back. That's another frequently asked question. Does my, my uh, therapy for anxiety mean, for example, I can't work with a coach? And I would say, let's take it on a case-by-case basis and have a conversation about it.
1: That so it makes sense as well. Oh, sorry, Richard. <laughs> no, no, no.
0: Go, go, go ahead. I'm glad it makes sense.
1: <laughs> that would make sense as well with um, our previous episode on all the work that you need to do if you are being coached as well, because there's a, still exactly. a lot of work that we need to do if we have two quite, what quite, quite could be two very intense processes in parallel. That is a lot of cognitive work. So yeah, yeah, that makes complete sense what you said. And I hadn't thought of that, actually.
0: And and you could see their perspective. All right, I, I want to, you know, make as much progress yeah. as I can and I work with this person and that person. It's It's all good. But actually, it would be like, you know, having two personal trainers in two different gyms. Can, can you deal with that? You know, maybe you can if they're doing two very different things and maybe they know each other. But if not, you could be putting yourself under unnecessary uh, strain that could undermine the good work that you're trying to do. So I'm going to end this um, episode with the very strong hope that I haven't muddied the waters, um, angered clinical psychologists all over the UK. (laughs) And, And actually, case in point, my description of the professions applies only to the UK where I'm based. I'm very aware that it's quite different in different jurisdictions. If you'd like to share how it works where you're based, please get in touch. I'd love to know more about that. But I do know that that's the the geographical space I'm most familiar with. If you have a different view on any of these points, please get in touch. You can email me podcast at com or message me on any of the socials. I uh, put the links in the show notes. PLR, any uh, final thoughts before we wrap this one up?
1: Uh, one, one unexpected one when you were talking about the, the coaching skills that we might do at work, so that sometimes we take on the role of the coach, and that's usually okay. But actually, to just beware when we're taking on the role of the psychologist, that might be a different matter. I think that it's. That I found it very interesting.
0: It it it. I, I put it to to my um, perspective coaches that professionally, one doesn't dabble. <laughs> you do or you <laughs> don't do, and I think that's really important with this. The challenge, I think. Um, and I've had this conversation over the years with colleagues. The challenge with psychology is that we're all humans and we're all amateur psychologists, as well as yes. some of us are professional psychologists. We, we all have minds. We all think. We have theories of how the world is and relationships. And we're all experiencing this stuff every day that psychologists are interested in. And so that interest is great. I genuinely mean that. But it also does not mean that my interest in filmmaking means i should be entrusted with multi-million dollar budget to make a hollywood movie no way i'll just enjoy going to the cinema and being on the receiving end of it so um there is a bit uh, about psychology i think that maybe not many other professions have that challenge with Uh, but again Mm -hmm. you might your view might differ if you are uh, a gp a nurse brain surgeon maybe people do the same with you i'd love to hear from you if that's the case Okay, thank you, uh, Pilar, um, for another great chat. And uh, thank you all for listening. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com slash contact. Thanks for listening.